This is the Lee Side Lives podcast, and I'm very pleased to welcome singer-songwriter Mark O'Reilly to the podcast. Mark is from uh, Lismore, but very much based in Cork, with his other career in the medical profession, and uh, he's gigged a plenty here in Cork as well over the years. And his musical family have a uh, a very strong connection to Lee Side. Also, Mark, you're very welcome along, and listen, thanks for taking time out uh, to speak with me today. Really looking forward to the chat. No bother. Cheers, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll talk music very shortly, but I wanted to start by asking about the severe illness you suffered in your younger days, uh, Mark. So going back a few years, you would have had uh, a brain virus. You would have been essentially critically ill at that time. How do you look back on that now and how difficult the time was that for you, Mark? Um, yeah, I suppose. I mean, obviously, it was it was uh, it was a difficult time. Um, I think it was probably more difficult for my family because you know when I was really really ill, um, I wasn't aware. Do you know what I mean? So um, it was a very difficult time for for them in particular. But um, yeah, I mean, I was I was really knocked out. I never really understood what um, people meant by being fatigued. You know, um, but geez, I understood it um, after I came out of hospital. Um, and yeah, I spent two weeks in the, I initially got sick and was admitted to, um, Mullingar and then I just got worse and then was transferred to the matter. So I was there for about two, two weeks and then, uh, yeah, then I, I, I thankfully got better. Uh, they were unbelievable there. And, um, so yeah, it took a while, it took about, a, I'd say I was back in about six weeks after I'd been discharged, but I didn't go back to kind of to, to work for about I'd say three months after I'd been discharged because I was just too uh, I was just too too tired you know but yeah I mean it was a very difficult time for my family for me it was also difficult but I don't know I suppose you know we, we uh, you know coming from the medical background you know I see people get sick all the time but get really well all the time you know what I mean so um you know even though I was you know very very sick you know it's normal it's a normal thing to to get really well again you know so um I didn't I just didn't want to kind of dwell on it too much I got I wrote one song about I suppose the whole uh episode really um you know that I wrote I wrote the it's a song called three and one it's on my third album morality and mortality and um i wrote the first half of it from um my family's perspective and then the second part is my perspective and it goes back to theirs again um so yeah so yeah it was obviously a difficult time but yeah thankfully everything is fine and i've no uh I've no deficits or anything from it you know it was a brain virus essentially was it what was the term viral meningoencephalitis so that's the that's the full title of it. Why I wanted to ask about that was my own father actually got the same virus as well seven or eight years ago and he has recovered thankfully as well also. But it's a virus that I'm sure many people don't know about, but also many people don't make a full recovery from, which is which is quite scary. Did it change your outlook on life, Mark? Um, did it change my outlook? Um, I... I I don't know if it um, there was a lot of things that were going on for me at the time, and from a personal level, it was just the end of a of a of a of a particular relationship that I was in, and uh, I had been I had been trying to do way too much, you know, like um, and I was gigging and I was totally totally run down. So from that perspective, that's totally changed. Um, how I approach things now. So I'll always know if I'm starting to get a little bit run, you know, trying to, you know, avoid 
burning the candle at both ends. That's kind of the, the, the number one thing I've learned from it. You know, um, you're, you're, you're not superhuman and you need to, uh, you need to listen to your body um, and listen to your mind, you know, um, and when everything, when, when, when everything gets too much, then, you know, the, it's just like, uh, I kind of look at it as one of my, my cousins, he was a very good analogy, was just like a, a computer rebooting, you know, um, and uh, that's, that's what needed to happen because um, it was just so much going on and it was kind of like a perfect storm. Um, so yeah, I think that that definitely changed my um, my my attitude towards trying to not trying to push oneself. You know, you mentioned fatigue there. What what else was going on? Like, and you said I think you you weren't aware of of being sick. Was it a case of where you were actually in a coma or something? Or I was uh, I was for geez, I'd say, well I don't I don't really remember the like you know I, I remember waking up. I was kind of sick with a flu for the preceding week, and then on this on the friday which was my birthday i was really bad and then i woke up on the saturday morning then with a hot, like worst headache ever and then i was I remember just being on the phone to my parents and i couldn't i couldn't get the words out i was saying all the wrong words um so i i knew there was something wrong like and then i don't remember anything then until i woke up in the matter uh i think it was a five days later do you know yeah. um so yeah so uh, yeah so it was fine for me i was i was completely oblivious the rest of my family obviously it was it was a really uh difficult time you know absolutely and that certainly reminds me of what my own dad went through as well those those symptoms those signs um a really a really scary a scary time for all involved but thankfully you both uh, made full recoveries just finally on that before we move on to music do you feel like that getting that sick impacted your job as a doctor then as well like did it did you find that you're even more compassionate towards patients or things like that nowadays um i think it probably i, I think it has definitely uh of, of course an experience like that um you're 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 i think i was always quite aware anyway um and i think that was one of the things that i would have been kind of uh very much aware of patient needs and stuff like that but yeah definitely after it happened i'm, I'm much more uh much more conscious of it like you know um and you know it's it's uh it's it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult time when you're in hospital, you know, and I, I'm it's you you no one wants to be there, you know, um when you're when you're on the other side. So so yeah, no, it, it definitely um I can definitely relate more to it now, you know. Apologies <laughs> if you hear uh, a baby crying in the background. That is our uh, that is our eight week old. So he's a good set of lungs on him. Uh, no problem. Eight weeks. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's, he's poor. Uh, his poor mother is up the wall, so it's <laughs> down. But anyway, you're alright. I, I totally understand, Mark. That's fine. Let's go back to your childhood. I'm, to say you come from a musical background would be an, an understatement. Loudest Whisper. Uh, you're the son of of one of the members of Loudest Whisper, who've had great success thrown through the years, particularly with Children of Lear. And uh, among their well-known songs is that beautiful track called Home. What was that like, Mark? Growing up in a family that was so musical—I mean, were there sessions every uh, every weekend? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I I wrote a song on on my first album, "Way for Mark," it's called "Family Reunion," and it's just literally all about uh, that subject point. And it was like it was incredible, like to grow up with with that. First of all, is it? As as a, as a as a kid, like um, and then yeah, every Christmas, every wedding or anything like that, you know, there'd always be guitars kind of taken out, and 
it was a big, you know, to be a sing song. And then I started playing. So then it was, you know, you'd have your goal to, to play or whatever. Um, and then, you know, just the when I kind of hit about kind of 15, 16, then because um, it kind of allows whisper took a little bit of a hiatus. Well, my dad in particular, like, you know, the, the, Brian was kind of busy in the studio and was just doing other projects and they weren't gigging a whole pile. There was a there was a, a period there where they, they weren't doing a massive amount. And then they really started um, back into into the live scene again. I see I'd say it was kind of a, a young teenager. And um, so dad was always gone like Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights, but it was all local stuff, you know, but, uh, and sometimes it was further afield, but um, I used to love heading off then, like, um, off down to, I don't know how many times I went down to, um, what did Kate O'Brien's if I'm why, down to Paddy Max down there more. Um, the one thing I love about Paddy Max is the sandwiches then Paddy would throw out after us, just was lovely. But, um, and then, yeah, down to, down to, you know, places in, in Waterford City, Clamel, and I just, in Kilkenny, I loved following him around and I just, I'd sit there happy out drinking my, my Coke and packing potatoes and um, just kind of being awed Brian's guitar playing, you know. Um, and that's when I really, really kind of was like, Jesus, yeah, I, I'd, love, I'd love to be doing this. They were a really innovative group for the time, weren't they? Because as you said there, like Brian, I think, had his own studio in Formoy when no one else had one. Yeah, oh, big time. I mean, um I think you know the 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 um, the kind of the channel air is just a phenomenal body of work. Like you know, and I mean that's only one of like four musicals Brian has written. Um, it's uh, and he's just you know some incredible incredible songs. But uh, yeah, I think the channel air was, was certainly ahead of its time for. For Ireland, maybe it was a bit too ahead, you know, and uh, maybe I don't, I don't think maybe we, you know, it was, it, it was the um, the right time for it, you know, um, or maybe the yeah, it, you know, but it's um, it's a phenomenal piece of work, and uh, yeah, geez, credit credit to Brian, like, and and, and uh, so yourself, Brian and Pod, would you still jam though regularly? Um, I, I Brian is now in. Um, in Spain, so uh, he's living there full time now with uh, his wife Annabeth. Um, Dad is obviously based in his moor. He lashes away and and kit regularly enough. He's he's it set up inside in the sitting room. So I don't know how happy my mother is about that. But um, so, but yeah, they're they're still they're still doing doing like pre COVID. They were still doing the odd show. I mean, they did a little mini tour out in uh, out in Spain. Uh, recently enough they were due to be doing the like the rhythm and roots in may you know in kilkenny they were they had to like you know five or six gigs lined up for that but obviously that didn't go ahead so they're still i think it's absolutely fantastic it's so inspiring like um my dad is 75 now brian is 72 and they're still mad for road and i just hope that i have an ounce of that enthusiasm when i'm when i'm that age yes absolutely oh that, that's amazing you mentioned there like you remember sitting down with the the glass of coke and, and the packet of crisps i'm sure in the pub watching the lads gigging when did your own breakthrough arrive then do you feel like how important was perseverance as well as talent how important was that persistence in getting that break i kind of really really started honing in on the whole kind of songwriting thing because i i, I when i was kind of 17 i was really obsessed with um kind of yeah 16 17 i became really obsessed with guitar playing electric guitar playing and i wanted to be Mike McCready from uh, Pearl Jam, you know, I was, oh. I was, I was just mad at that. And then at the band I was in at, at that time in this, it was kind of an indie alternative band. And then, um, 
I there was a folk club was more of a fantastic folk club that um, was a huge influence on me uh, because it was during the period of like 17 to 22 when I was in college and all of these songwriters from the States used to come uh, and they'd play small shows around the country, you know, but uh, they'd, they'd come to Lismore. The, um, John Collymore was the guy that was running the, the gigs. Um, but uh, so the likes of uh, Peter Mulvey, Jeffrey Foucault, um, Chris Smitter, um, all of these like incredible American songwriters were coming to play this tiny bar in Lismore, Roses. It was just Roses West End Bar. And I just I was like, wow. So I was like, I'd love, and Jeff Lang, do you know Jeff Lang, the Australian guitar player? Yes. Like, he agree. played he played there twice, like, um, phenomenal guitar player. Um, you know, and I was just, I kind of became very obsessed in with, uh, you know, acoustic instrumental guitar playing. So Tommy Emmanuel, Eric Roach, um, Jeff Lang, and then seeing those songwriters, I was like, God, I'd love to try and combine it, you know, the, the technical playing with the songwriting. And, and then I just kind of, um, then kind of college really took over because, you know, I was kind of hitting the kind of latter years where you really had to study a little bit harder. So it kind of put it on the back burner. But then once I finished my, my um, I did my intern year, went to Australia for a bit, and then I came home and worked for two years. And then I was like, right, I'll, I'll just take the time out now. And, and do it so I was going to take a year out and do one album and I took seven years out and did four albums so it, it ended up being way longer than I anticipated but uh but yeah I mean I suppose it's just it's all luck you know and you know while some people would say oh you know you got the break you know I, it definitely came on album number two where I ended up signing with Virgin Records in Germany and it was really exciting, and I and I thought, okay, this is it now. Like all, this is the kind of the 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 the, the kick on, you know, that 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 you um that you hope for all the time, when you're kind of uh, when you're when you're in the early stages like that, like after the first two albums, and then they re they re released the second one, and then I released the third one, then with them, and uh, it just didn't happen. Now the deal was fantastic; it afforded me the opportunity to do nothing but music for pretty much a year and a half. Um, because all the time that I've, I've been doing music, I've always had to kind of locum as well, just to you know, just to earn 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 money. But yeah, it never it never kicked on to the to the next level. And um, yeah, so then it's um, it was kind of I got to a stage then where I was like, listen, I don't want to keep trying to push it and push it and push it because I don't want to end up being bitter about it because I have nothing but positive experiences with music um and i was just like I, I can't keep trying to do it and do it do it, you know and keep hoping for the next break and the next break and the next break i think i would end up you know not liking it anymore so that's when i kind of um so i suppose about three years ago i kind of decided i transitioned back to kind of full-time medicine but obviously still playing lots of music like and still mm-hmm. i still want to write i still want to play um but um but yeah in terms of you know i always have this conversation with uh, with journalists and you know broadcasters etc about the you know it's it's luck like it is literally right place right time it is like winning the lottery to get to get a, a decent break do you know what i mean because there is a phenomenal amount of talent out there um you know i'm sure you're you're well aware like there's so many amazing songwriters bands and i've seen them at festivals on you know you'd cross paths on tour or whatever 
and you never hear of him again. And you're like, jeez, like they can't make like sure, well, you know, you know, that's kind of. Um, but again, you have to, you have to, um, you have to look at your expectations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my expectations when I first started off were, were completely different to what they are now. Like I have completely different outlook on what I want from music now. You know, my priority is is obviously my uh, my partner, my baby, um, and music is is obviously a huge priority for me. But it is literally, um, it's 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 something that I only really want to enjoy and not and not have to be worried about you know, X amount of people coming to a show or selling X amount of albums or having X amount of streams on Spotify. That's very interesting. It's a very moving way you've, you've put that actually, Mark, because uh, it must be incredibly hard to get the breaks and there is so much talent out there. And I mean, you've you've brought out about four albums, you had an EP this year as well, and there's some absolute quality tunes among your collection. Wayward Shepherd would be my favourite. I love that song. Um, absolutely love that tune. It's a great track. But it just goes to show how, how difficult it is to do it on, on a full-time basis and, and I suppose to get that fame or to get, you know, to, to be like a, a rock star and be known the world over. And I put it to this way, Jordan. I'll always, I found this, this was really when it kind of hit home to me, like, you know, about the lottery part of it was, I asked one of the, with Virgin Records in Germany, they, they had two chief executives um, and I asked one of them, I said, you know, I don't want to be super famous. I said, are you, you know, how do you get into that space of, you know, there's loads of bands that, you know, sell, sell albums or whatever, but play, you know, five to 500 to a thousand people a night when they're on a tour. And that's a lovely space to be in, you know, how do you get there? And he just went, <laughs> didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know. I was like, oh my God, you are, you have 25 years experience in this in this industry and you can't tell me that and the only formula that you have is sign 20 bands throw a load of money at all of them and you only want one to break and that pays for everything and and more and that's that's the formula and i'm just i just say it blew my mind i was like oh my god this is uh this is this is way too unpredictable i suppose it depends what way you look at successes i get the sense that you don't want to be stupid famous either no, definitely not. Definitely not. Jesus, no. It'd be awful. Like, can you imagine? You wouldn't have to go anywhere or do anything. Or oh man, no, definitely not. It sounds like you're in a nice place. You've you've achieved a lot. You're making great music. You love those gigs, kind of five hundred to a thousand people. Uh, you're obviously really talented, and you like your day job as well. And obviously, you've got a family as well. So it sounds like you're in a really good place, Mark. Oh, like this is this is it's, it's you know it's ideal. It's absolutely ideal. Where obviously everything is so. Uh, new, like the last uh, two months have been ridiculously uh, new in that the, the arrival of, of our son um, and then I started uh, back full time as well, uh, just about a week after he was born, a week and a half after he was born, so uh, there's been a load of uh, adjusting, so I haven't had a massive amount of time to play uh, guitar, but we're just waiting for the dust to settle, and then we'll 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 manage to uh, to navigate where where the, uh, the 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 music can fit in. But yeah, no, definitely, I'm I, I am so much more content being, you know, have I love routine. I love, uh, I'm not one of those, you know, a lot of musicians stay up late and, you know, um, get up late. I, I'm definitely not like that. Um, I like getting up early. Um, I like routine, as I said, and I, I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely don't miss the hours in a van, like driving from city to city, like, you know, um, I would definitely want to be home. 
Do you know, I was talking to, uh, I did my last two albums with, with Christian uh, Best, you know, in uh, outside Middleton there. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's done obviously a lot of Mick Flannery's albums and he's mixed drummer. But he said like after he's, I think, you know, it was his first or second was born and he had to head off and tour about three weeks later. Uh, with Mick to Germany for two weeks and he said it was just awful like because you're away from from your family like and he was the same he said yeah it's grand for a little bit but no you definitely want to be at home like uh, speaking of gigging and touring you did get to play the ultimate gig for music fans and artists a couple of years ago Mark Glastonbury what was that like oh, yeah that was uh, it's crazy crazy uh, like you know so many people had said to me oh you you know you have no idea the whole big, the whole places, and what the whole experience is like. And I was like, sure, it can't be like, sure, it can't be that, you know, different from a, you know, military picnic or you know, ox, you know, in my head it was very, very naive. And then you go there and you're, you were just blown away. Like it's, so I did it, I did it twice. Um, uh, and the first year, it was absolutely roasting. Like, um, and it was uh, brilliant. It was the year to the the stones and. Arcade Fire were headlining um, that was just mega and then uh, the second year was a bit wet but um, really good I, I finally got to see Ben Howard um, live and that was um, that was at that uh, um, at that second Glastonbury and it was jeez he was unbelievable unbelievably good live some band Jesus yeah. it's like the mecca for music fans I oh, actually would you believe I had tickets to go this summer but uh, Covid came along but please God I'll get there next year um, Glastonbury but I think it's it's probably from the outside looking in I think it's probably the best the best show on the planet uh, yeah it's, it's it's just but it's 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 um, it's massive like you know you it, like the concept of of size it's just like Wow, and uh, you know, the the eclectic mix of, of people and music is, yeah, I've never experienced anything like it uh, before. You know, I think I read on your website, Mark, that you recorded at Peter Gabriel's studios as well. That was some experience, I'd say. Yeah, that was with uh, that was I was doing guest vocals with uh, this jazz band called Kairos Quartet, and uh, who are now like they would be very the the band leader and bass player would be very good friends of mine. Um, but um, I didn't know them at all, and Adam uh, had heard my uh, first album through one of his friends. He'd an Irish friend, and he uh, he said, "Listen, we're doing the album in uh, in Peter Gabriel's Real World Studios. Would you come over, like, um, for the session?" So I flew over for twenty four hours um, into Bristol, and then because uh, it's in uh, Box. Uh, which is just kind of uh, just down the road from Bristol, um, and uh, yeah, flew in and uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Who was on that? So funny. We were we were in it because they have a smaller room and they have the main room, and the main room is just it's like a spaceship. It is absolutely like massive. Um, but um, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. And then who was actually on this, uh, who produced that album was a guy called Jules Buckley, who has gone on to massive things now. Um, Jules, like, is, he does a lot of things with the Metropole Orchestra, who are based in Holland. Um, he's done, he did that, um, do you know that uh, dance music with uh, orchestra that kind of started in the in the UK? Um, yeah. And he was doing he was doing that with uh, geez, what's the, the big DJ's name again? Pete Tang. He was doing the, the yeah yeah. Um, 
so he's done he's done really well uh, since. But uh, but yeah, geez, it was, it, they've some setup though. Like the the equipment is unbelievable, and then there's lodgings then beside the studio. So a band that are there for the week can you know um, rent the lodge lodges as well for the for for the period. It's just yeah, it's so well set up. How we didn't difficult get to is now. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. All right. how, how difficult is the current situation for artists so with no gigs i mean virtually every, every other industry almost is back like yeah I, it's absolutely awful um i have uh, a lot of musician friends like who are purely just at, at music and it's um you know the 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 lads say in the band now. Um, like one of them is is teaching, so he's hopefully starting back now. Obviously, um, in the next kind of week or two, um, which is good. And then um, another one of the lads is doing a master, so he's kind of busy with that. One of the lads is um based in France, and he said he's actually been really busy because a lot of the bars have um outdoor spaces, you know. So he and he's even been gigging in campsites and stuff so he said that's been he's been really really busy with that but um but no the you like the the, the 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 kind of majority um of the kind of the the, the main kind of mood music is, is is quite quite uh quite bad you know um like my one of my really good friends is my um isn't is, is a dutch agent you know and um they're they're normally flaming busy like you know um and would have loads of shows and tours booked uh, all during summer, autumn, you know, and they're they're really under pressure. Um, so they can kind of survive a certain period, and then it's it's really gonna hit uh, hit hard, you know. Um, and I really don't know how. Like, obviously, everything will go back to normal, like um, at some stage. But my fear is that it's going to be quite a long time before it does go back to normal. Um, just purely when you just try and think about the logistics of it, like. Um, just you know obviously a vaccine and if the vaccine works and then the producing the vaccine and so by the time everyone gets vaccinated oh, jesus you, you couldn't see that happening before summer 2021 really like you know mm-hmm. yes you know but, uh, so yeah no it's an awful time it's an absolutely awful time um but i suppose you know if i was reliant on it full time now i would be immersing myself into writing i suppose but um uh to try and you know maximize the the opportunity but it's very hard like it's very hard i think over the last kind of decade or so artists have spoken about how they essentially make their living is on the live circuit doing gigs people are buying tickets because cd sales all right vinyl has made a resurgence which is great but a lot of people are streaming their music now artists aren't making an awful lot out of that but now is probably as good a time as ever to go and support your local artist by buying a cd buying a t-shirt buying a caring isn't it oh 100 and you see the thing about it is that those live shows are where you sell your merchandise you know that's where you sell your cds it's where you sell your your t-shirts um you know the streams you have to be hitting massive numbers to to be making any any decent income from that and anyone who is generally are signed so you know what i mean so it's it's uh it's that kind of merry-go-round really but um but yeah i know like now more than ever um artists need need uh need all the support that they can that they can get you know yes and venues venues as well jesus um like it's it's awful it's awful to see um to see all those um, incredible venues across the country just not uh, just not having shows in them like you know you can visit markoreilly.com if you'd like to buy a lovely CD yeah. 
yes, thank you. Thanks for the plug. I want to talk more about the, your medical profession, Mark. As I said, you're based in Cork, in CUH, I think. Uh, what area exactly are you working in? in so I'm working in, uh, I had been uh, kind of gone down the surgical route and in particular orthopedics, but I um, switched allegiance kind of, I suppose, about a, a year ago and uh, to radiology. So I applied for the radiology training program. Um, before Christmas and thankfully then interview went well after Christmas and got it and started uh, started on the 13th of July and um, so yeah so that's like a it's a uh, five year training program uh, four of it is four of those years are definitely in uh, in Cork and then usually you do a year or two abroad then after that um, so so yeah so that's the that's the current state of play I guess it's, it's a different type of satisfaction to to playing Glastonbury in front of a few thousand people but um I'm sure you've, you've found meaning in, in that line of work as well ah yeah I mean it's 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 a uh, it's a completely different part of the brain right you know what I mean um and I think I I, I I I've always been a bit of a bit of a geek when it comes to kind of science and maths and stuff oh. um so yeah I, I I'm I'm delighted with it like and I think the music then is is a, is a kind of a offers a kind of catharsis i suppose to to that when when it when it gets a bit um boggy you know when you get a little bit bogged down by it you know um, or affected by whatever you might see or whatever you know so so yeah i think it's a great uh there's quite the link as well between um between music and medicine you know um and i i she wrote like wrote an article about this uh a couple of years ago and um just looking at the parallels between um, music and medicine and there's like quite a lot when you actually look into it you know um and uh so but typically it tends to be more classical based you know so anecdotally like a lot of my classmates would have played you know classical piano or violin or they they, they sang um and as well, like, you know, even from Greek mythology, we know that it was a big link between between music and, and, and medicine. Um, and then, like, there has, you know, the, during when I was researching for that article piece, um, you know, there was, uh, there is orchestras around the world that are purely make, made up of, of doctors, you know. Um, and there's a several of them. There's several of them in North America, in Europe, and they're purely just uh, orchestras with with doctors, um, mm-hmm. male and female. But the same doesn't exist for architects or accountants or IT consultants. You know, I don't know why why there is that. For me, like I think the, the there's a lot of just the hand eye coordination thing. You know. That links in, I suppose, with with the kind of the, the 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 surgical kind of side of things. I think the the fact that the medicine can be very kind of you know concrete um, versus the kind of the, the the kind of freedom of music. I think all of that it all kind of ties in nicely, you know. That's fascinating, actually, and uh, I'm sure it's great if you've had a really hectic twelve-hour shift. You now in a in a hospital, you can go home and take out the guitar and jam for an hour. Well, yeah, to be careful now, little fellow. <laughs> can't be, can't be turning it up to eleven, you know. <laughs> but I'm sure some of your some of your songs have been influenced by your work as well as a doctor. Looking at the titles, Healer, Bleed. Uh, yeah, I, they, not consciously. Uh, <laughs> they just they, that just happened to be the the the, the title, but um, but um. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it's a, there's, a, there's a couple in there maybe that they kind of made their way in, but generally they tend to be 
is tend to be uh, political or personal, you know. You're working in Cork nowadays, Mark. I'm sure you've um, played plenty of gigs uh, on Lee side down through the years. What is it you love most, or what venue do you enjoy most playing in Cork? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely Collins, you know. Um, just like when that room is packed and it's you know hot and sweaty and everybody's is is kind of in good form. Um, I just I love it. And then you know the you know Brian Hassey and Adele. Um, are just you know they run such a, a fantastic venue you're just treated so well um because they're musicians themselves so they know what it's like when you're touring and that's such a huge difference because you can, and it's so obvious when you when you go into the venue like you know they, they have it so well set up and they look after you so well and it's it's really centered towards the artist like um and that's that's fantastic yeah i, I i'm looking forward to when uh, when the gigs return there you know Absolutely. I love playing there and I love going to see gigs there, you know, so it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool venue, great for a, an intimate gig, I think, as well, and I've been there a few times, it's a mighty spot, Collins. Are there any albums or books you'd recommend that you've been enjoying over the lockdown? Uh, I have been going back listening to, um, there's an old uh, vinyl uh, record from my parents, um, which is a compilation of Django Reinhardt. And uh, so, yeah, we listen to that um, quite a lot, actually. Um, and it's just, geez, it's super, uh, super relaxing, but a phenomenal guitar playing, like, you know. Um, we had we had been listening to a couple of times, uh, which on, we have the bends on vinyl, actually. Jesus, what an album. Listen to that a bit. And uh, Jag Little Pill. Um, forgot how good that album was. Looking forward to checking out a few of those. Are you living in, in County Cork nowadays as well? Uh, living in Newton, Douglas. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lovely, lovely spot. You very much fit the profile so for the Lee Side Lives podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm a very proud Waterford man, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got that in. There is more Waterford. Honda Desha, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Your brother is also really musical. He's a composer, Pierre, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's in. He's 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 um, in it full time. You know, uh, that's what he that's what he does for a living. So he's um, he did his uh, undergraduate in um, uh, school of music in Cork, and then did his masters uh, in um, the Royal College of Music in London uh, for film composition. So that's he does a lot of kind of uh, scores for animations and stuff like that. Um, again, it's a, it's quite a, quite a difficult industry to to kind of um, tackle into, you know. Um, but you know, he's making it work. It's great. And he's you know, London is is a, it's a tough city to to survive in, but he's you know he's doing a good job. That almost brings us to the end, Mark. Listen, thanks a million for your time. I suppose one thing I, I ask guests regularly on the podcast is what makes them tick or what motivates them. What is it for you? Um, it was different things, different times, you know. Um, so it would have been, you know, when I was full, uh, kind of uh, at full tilt of music. It was, it was the writing, you know what I mean, uh, and the performing. I suppose was about driving me on. But uh, now it's definitely uh, my priorities completely shifted, and it's all about uh, it's all about my son and my family. And yeah, that's that's certainly what motivates me now. Isn't we better leave you go back to being a parent? What's the new edition's name actually? His name is Leon. Leon. Oh, nice name. I have a good friend called Leon. Best wishes to you, your partner, and Leon. And thanks very much for your time, Mark. Really enjoyed the chat. Cheers, Jordan. Thanks, man.